0: Good morning. I'm Andy Johnson. Uh, Nathan mentioned RUF. I'm the RUF campus minister at LSU. I'm your campus minister to LSU. And uh, I just want to say, you know, before we even get started looking at our text this morning, how grateful, and I mean this wholeheartedly, um, how grateful we are for this church um, constantly. I'm not just saying this, I brag, I talk of how God has been so gracious to us to put us in a place. Like this, that loves us so well and loves college students so well. So I am I'm thankful for South Baton Rouge Perez. Um, our text this morning is John 3:22. We're gonna be looking at John 3:22 through 30, um, not through 36. I know that's on the bulletin, but you just get bonus material in there. So there you go. Um, if you would just follow along, turn your Bibles or bulletin. After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside, and he remained there with them and was baptizing. John was also baptizing at Anah near Salem, because water was plentiful there, and people were coming and being baptized, for John had not yet been put in prison. Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, who he who was with you across the Jordan He must increase, but I must decrease. This is the word of God. All of our glory is like the grass and the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of God, it stands forever. Let's pray. Lord God, would you be so gracious this morning? um, I, obviously, anybody who has met me for more than a second knows that I am not the Christ. But, Lord, you are powerful, and you love your children, and you love to give good gifts. Would you, uh, would you feed us this morning with your word? Would you open our ears, our hearts to receive just even a little manna from heaven that we might make it this week? In Jesus' name, amen. So I had, I had, uh, I had one point, but Nathan texted me, and I couldn't get a, he finally got a hold of me and said, you have to have three points. So I <laughs> apologize. And he also said no cussing, which I was pretty mad about. Um, But our three points this morning are who we are not, second, who we are, and third, the way of life. Who, Who we're not, who I'm not. Have you ever been in a situation or on a team or a band where people thought or acted mistakenly or on purpose against the reality of who they were and what their role was in that or on that group or team? Um, You know, the person you're playing basketball with who cannot, I mean, literally can't even hit the rim, but they won't stop shooting. Person in charge of picking the restaurant in New Orleans, and they pick Shoney's. Uh, My brother-in-law leads uh, worship at a church in Jacksonville. He he told me the story of a guy in their band who, like, no matter what the song was, would have to break into, like, an 80s, like, guitar solo riff. Like slow him, whatever it was, he had to. He he couldn't stop it, but like that guy. So he told him, like, no, you can't do it this week. That week he did it again. That guy, Michael Scott. If anybody knows Michael Scott, one of my heroes. Uh, at Phyllis's wedding, he basically thinks that the wedding is his wedding, right? He acts as if Phyllis's wedding, because of course he's the boss, and so that's his wedding. But he, he this is his quote. Me walking Phyllis down the aisle was supposed to be the highlight of the wedding. And now the wedding has no highlight. That sounds a little bit like Kevin. I apologize. Uh, What happens is not only does he mess up the wedding for everyone else, right? But he also kind of looks like a fool. He looks like an idiot. (laughs) When we, when we mistake ourselves as the bridegroom, when we are part of the wedding party, it leads to mess and destruction, not just for ourselves, but for, for everyone. Another way of putting it is when we take on the name and role of God in our lives and with the lives of others, it is chaos, it is anxiety. One of my favorite Paul Miller quotes from uh, A Praying Life he says, Anxiety wants to be God, but lacks God's wisdom, power, or knowledge. A godlike stance without godlike character and ability is pure tension because anxiety is self on its own. It tries to get control. It is unable to relax in the face of chaos. Once one problem is solved, the next in line steps up. The new one looms so large, we forget the recent deliverance. You know, one of the most foundational and one of the biggest struggles that all of us have is realizing, believing, and living as if we are not God. It sounds obvious, and sometimes we do believe it, but it is a struggle, and the struggle Is real. So John the Baptist was out doing his thing, baptizing people, when his disciples say, Hey, look at the comp, look, look, Jesus, what's up? Look at Jesus, what's up with this? Everyone's going to him. We're out here doing this, but now everyone, he's taking away all of our chances to baptize, man. And John says, Whoa, 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 whoa. Everything good comes from above. I've already said it. Let me say it to you again, guys. I'm not the Christ. I'm not the anointed one. I'm not the Messiah. I'm John. It's me, Johnny, Juan. He might not have said that. But I've been sent, then he says, but I have been sent here to prepare the way. But I'm not the I am. I am part of his kingdom, but I'm not the king, guys. This is not my wedding. It's something we say to our kids a lot, and I think kids and parents need to know this, is um, you are not the king. We are not the king. You know, your kids want something, they think they deserve it. You're like, it's not your world. It's not your kingdom. And I think this, as much as them, I need to hear that. I'm not the king. You know, the same words Peter, I think we'll, we'll be hearing from this in a, in a few weeks or months or whatever. This, we're doing a series here. By the way, if you're new to our church, please come back um, and hear Nathan next week. There's <laughs> uh, a chance for you to come twice. These are one the questions God asked from the Bible. and. Remember uh, Jesus' question to, to Peter, "Who do you say that I am?" And Peter said, "Some say Elijah or a prophet or John the Baptist. Jesus said, "No, who do you say that I am?" And, and Peter's response is, "You're the Christ." Today I want to start with a point that is so obvious that you think and I think that I get it, and you think that you get it. But our lives, I think, say otherwise. You are not the Christ. You are not the Christ. Maybe, you know, there's a lot of ways I think we see this in our lives. Um, and I'm not going to go exhaustive on a list, but I mean, you don't have to look far in your own life. Just ask your family how you try to be Jesus and how it's not working. But do you ever get stuck in your own head? Um, man, I wish I was more articulate or running things over and over again. I should have said that. What was I thinking? Uh, maybe, maybe that's you. Do you ever get exhausted from trying to love other people? and It seems like you just wish somebody would love you. Do people ever jokingly call you a workaholic, jokingly? I heard a kid talking about their dad the other day. It wasn't my kids, it could have been. Like, my dad's such a workaholic. Uh, maybe it shows up your, your you know, messianic complex by being worn out trying to prove your competence to yourself, to your parents, to your friends, to the world around you. Maybe it shows up with, with tiredness Just being tired over the fear and worry and the anxieties um, that seem to come over and over again. Maybe it shows up um, just being worn out by not having a voice. Maybe you just wish you had a voice in this world and you feel like you wish you could make things okay and you just can't. I know in my own life there's been times where it's hit me where I realize I'm not the Christ and it crushes me where there's people I love who I can't fix or make better. I know I can't do myself, but I think there's part of me that, that hangs on. Like, I can, if I, if I love somebody enough, this will happen. I'm not the Christ, and you're not the Christ. Well, who are we? Who am I? Who are you? I'm not the Christ, but I have been sent before him, is what John said. John is not Jesus, but he has been called by him. He has been called by Jesus to, to be part of what he's doing in this world. A friend of mine at a winter conference last year said, um, and I don't know what to do with this, and I'm, I'm not totally going to endorse this, but he, was, he went on this little rant about he wants to get rid of the, the language of God wants to use you. And I don't think we have to get rid of that completely. Um, but what he was hitting on was is he, he was saying, he would rather say it like God invites you to participate. I think we have a lot of using going on in the world, but, I mean, yeah, of course God can use you. But God invites you to participate in what he is doing in the world, which is nothing short of making all things new. Whether you join in or not, it's not going to, to stop the, the flood of the good news that is Jesus, that is, that is going out to the ends of the worst world as far as the curse is found in making all things new. Um, that God is doing this. Um, and, and, and God invites us into that, to be part of what he's doing. You know, we all, I think, write stories in our head of who we are. Sometimes good Sometimes maybe overinflated, but often the other directions. We all have names, I think, that we call ourselves. I've noticed over the years with myself, with students, um, you know, sometimes you pick it up, you know, from the thing that, that you were called when you were a kid. I have a few of those that I won't say because then it'll just turn into a counseling session. Uh, and I'll be in the fetal position. And Fat. I don't know. What? what, what do you? When you, when you think, think about yourself, lazy, stupid, failure. Not your sibling? Burden? Unlovable? What are the lies that you like to call your what do you know yourself as sometimes? Like, what are those lies? Who are you? Well, here's some good news. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have been adopted into his family. He calls you something. You're a child of God, not his guest, not his burden but his delight, and he puts his name upon you. This is a big deal. It's a big deal. Think about, I was thinking the other day, like, if you get something embroidered, which people in the South like to do, um, it says something, right? When you put your name on something, like, one is no one else will want it, but nah, that's a, nah, that runs the whole point. Uh, but but it, it's a big deal to put your name upon something because names are, are important, but Jesus has gone further, right? He hasn't just put, he hasn't just embroidered his, I mean, he's, he's given you his name. You are not the Christ, but you are a royal image bearer of God. You've been created for a purpose. He has gifted you uniquely as you. And by the way, I'm preaching to myself, obviously, I think. You are the only you in the history of redemption. Did you know that? You're not called to be Paul. You're not called to be Nathan, unless you're Nathan. Nathan, you are called to be Nathan. Turkey, that is. Uh, but you're, you're the only you that's been called you in the history of redemption. Some of us, I think, need to realize that, that our identity isn't broken goods or, or what we've had or what we've done in the past or what has been done to us in the past or even the present. You have a name that is so much bigger than that lie. You're his child. You are gifted and designed and invited to participate in God's redemptive work in this world, which he is at work in you to do as well. You're invited to lay down your weapons on yourself and those around you and step out and do dangerous, wonderful, redemptive things, right? It's often the areas where we feel most out of control where we want to be, like, because we want to be God. It's those areas where we feel most out of control that we do not go to, but it's often in those areas where we experience Jesus the most, But right? Do you ever find that? I mean, I think the areas in my life that I try to, like, hide from them, or I'm so afraid of. It's because it's it's scary. It's out of control. But often there is where you find um, Jesus at work. You've been invited to grow and deal with some of the stuff that haunts you, to let people in, to let people love you, to not use people, to not be right, to ask for help. And I'm horrible at that, by the way. Um, One of the things I've been learning even this last year is um, my Messianic Complex shows out in a lot is I just, I don't want to be a burden. I don't want to ask for help. And you know what that does? It, it kills me and it kills people around me. Um, you know, you, you've been invited to give yourself a break for not being perfect. To enjoy the pleasure of loving people with no strings attached. To achieving even great things. To using your knowledge to bless others instead of yourself. And instead of being right. But here's the deal. Just again, I know this is a simple message that... Um, I'm gonna say it again, you're not the Christ and you don't have to be. But you're a beloved child of God if you're his. And the last thing, the way of life, third point, you know, the way up is the way down. The way to experience life and freedom isn't by doing more and being better. It's by letting go and resting in Jesus who is the anointed one and believing and living as if he is who he says he is. He must increase and I must decrease. I love these words of John, but they're hard. It's not my wedding. It's my joy to see Jesus and be on his team. Um, and these are these is like a lesson you, I feel like you just learn and have to relearn and keep relearning is I'm not the king, but I'm, I've been invited into this. My Aunt Patty, uh, if you know me long enough, you hear me talk about Aunt Patty. Aunt Patty passed away about six years ago exactly this week. Um, Aunt Patty was my BFF growing up. Aunt Patty had Down syndrome. Um, and Aunt Patty was in so many ways. I, I said her funeral was packed. All types of people. I said, you know why you loved Aunt Patty? Because she was more like Jesus than anybody you probably ever met. Um, she was probably the closest person to Jesus you could know in so many ways. And she, I'm not saying she was Jesus. or perfect. Uh, and I was telling a story to, to Holly and Bonnie the other night at the youth, at the Stott's house for the youth party. Uh, for for Aunt Patty, whoever was in front of her was her favorite person of all time, um, and she would always say, "Andy," she'd just, "Andy, you're my favorite nephew," and then she'd like there'd be like a two three second pause, and she goes, "I have all three of them." <laughs> One time, Aunt Patty called me so excited that she had gotten a silver. She called me up as just like this anticipatory voice that that uh, Andy. I knew she had Special Olympics that day. Uh, she knew I was going to be proud of her. Andy, I got a silver medal. <laughs> and I can hear my mom in the background saying, uh, tell, tell her who you, who you went up against. She goes, well, I went up against one other guy, and he was blind. <laughs> uh, but to Aunt Patty, silver was gold. It was gold to her. And one of Aunt Patty, I talk about Aunt Patty for many reasons uh, because I miss her. But also, uh, she taught me a lot about Jesus. Her dream was to be in a wedding. Um, and she, she knew that because she was special, she was very high-functioning. She'd email me every day, kind of thing. But she, her dream was to be in a wedding. And so Kelly asked her to be in our wedding, which was such a gift, to be a bridesmaid. And I'm going to tell you something. She radiated. She wore bridesmaid's dress, but she glowed as bright as any bride has ever glowed. Is that a word? Yes, glowed. That day, because being a part of the wedding for her um, was being at the wedding, I mean, that was it. It was gold. Um, I think, right, here's the problem is, like Michael Scott, you can't enjoy the party if you think it's all about you, because it's not. You can't. Try to go there with me. What might it look like for you to decrease so that Jesus might increase? What might it look like to shed the messianic complex that you struggle with. Maybe I think it's starting with admitting that you have a messianic complex. I mean, I know the start of school this week, I was having some, I know 95% of y'all aren't as emo as me, but uh, <laughs> I was having those moments, start of school, like, you know, like, I mean, literally we have to stop and be like, why are things not working? Like, I just want to be Jesus. And I want things to work. And I don't remember often in those moments, I don't stop and say, Andy, and this is what I do this week, literally, thank. that's part why I'm preaching on this, is Andy, you're not the Christ. Stop it. Be you. You can't control that stuff. So what are some of the signs that you struggle with a messianic complex? Uh, Eugene Peterson says this. I love Eugene Peterson. He says, the obvious sign is you overwork. You become a workaholic because everything depends upon you. And this doesn't have to be working to make money. It could be mothering. It could be anything. If you don't take a Sabbath, he says, something is wrong. You're doing too much. You're being too much in charge. You've got to quit. One day a week, he says, you just watch what God is doing when you're not doing anything. He says one of the greatest ways to know and to deal with your your messianic complex is to take a Sabbath. He says, so these two things, the absence of Sabbath and being overactive are the signs of a messianic complex. And it does, It's not always external, right? I think it's internal sometimes and sometimes it's both internal and external. But, but is it easy? Do you take Sabbath? Do you ever just have moments in your week? Do you have a day in your week where you just sit and you gotta sit there and watch God do stuff and you can't do anything? Uh, another thing my friend said at that conference was, he talked about a snow day. You know, a snow day uh, is that day where I don't care what your teachers gave you. I don't care what happened. And we don't, get, we don't get many snow days in Baton Rouge, but we got a couple in the last few years. But a snow day is sort of like that day where you just get to go and throw snow. Your teachers can't make you like turn in homework the next day, right? It's just a day where you just go and you just be. It's like a day to be free. It's a day to do nothing. And I think in some ways, we've got to start seeing the Sabbath that way. God in his grace knows that we have messianic complexes and we need to stop. And we need to have snow days with him and with each other. You know, uh, every morning, here's a, here's a sort of challenge, I think, as an application. Um, something I, I forget, and maybe maybe not every day this week, but this week, or in the coming weeks or months, when you find yourself in that position where, you know, things at school for your kids are too much, and, and you want things to go well, but you can't make them go well, or, or whatever it is for you, where you find yourself in that, that place. Um, would you try to wake up in the morning before you, you get your coffee? I know this is hard. Before you check uh, MySpace or whatever it is you check. Uh, and would you say, even before you get audibly to yourself, whatever, would you just say to yourself and to the Lord that I am not the Christ? You're the Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Will you help me live in that today? Will you help me live in that reality when you forget and you find yourself freaking out again about whatever it is or the failure that you've done again, would you simply, maybe again, maybe even audibly say out loud, would you preach this to yourself? Would you say, I am not the Christ? Some of you live in your own heads and your own worst critics. Would you say to yourself, I love this, um, would you say grace requires nothing of me? Would you preach this to yourself? Jesus requires nothing of you except for you to come. Would you preach the gospel to yourself? For those of you who um, are, are tired of helping other people, you're kind of worn out. Would you ask a friend maybe this week, I think these are just practical ways where we could just display to one another the very truth that we're not the Christ. But if you're a person who loves to help other people, would you ask somebody to pray for something very specific this week? One thing. For those of you who are exhausted, because you go, 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 it seems like you never get to sit down. Can I challenge you this week for one hour to sit before Jesus' face and do nothing and be still? I know it'll be painful, it'll feel like your dragon skin's getting ripped off, but would you try that? For those of you who are struggling with anxiety, um, I struggle with anxiety uh, a lot, um, counselor told me, was trying to help me with this. I think this is pretty helpful. Um, we're not the Christ. We, we don't get to often control. He, 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 he The way he put it, maybe you've heard this before, is like to be the backdoor bouncer. Like we're not the front door bouncer in our own head, but we're the backdoor bouncer. We don't get to control everything that comes in, those fears, those anxieties. But often I think if, if, you're, if, if you're like me, um, you can choose to dwell on it a lot longer than you need to. And what he was saying is, Um, when you start writing stories that aren't true, you're not being, like, you have the power to actually say, I'm not gonna go there and and be the back, like, push it out the back door. Um, For those of you who feel alone in the world and misunderstood, can I challenge you to, to join a community group, to reach out to somebody in this church and ask them to try to understand you? For those of you who are afraid of missing out, would you miss out maybe one time this like to a tailgate or something and do something for somebody else? I, I'm, no, not tailgate, sorry. That's crossing the line. But you know what I mean. <laughs> would, you, would you give yourself to somebody else and miss some fun for somebody else? For those of you who are always right, you know who you are and your kids definitely know who you are. Will you listen to people you don't agree with this week and not respond? But would you try to empathize with them and where they're coming from? For those of you who feel like the world and its peace and prosperity depend upon you, would you take a nap? For those of you who are just dealing with things that are just too stinking big, relationships that, that aren't being reconciled, illnesses that are, that are so heavy and weighing on you and your family, whatever it is, can I say that Jesus is with you and he's for you? And he will not drop you. You're not the Christ. But you are a beloved child of the king. Invited to be part of what he's doing in this world. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that, Lord, you've given us limitations. Because if we didn't have them, we know what we would do. Lord, would you help us live in the great grace and truth that is ours this week, this day. That we are beloved children of yours. Or as we face our, our failures, as we face our successes, all these things, Lord, would you remind us again today and this week, Lord, that we're loved, Lord, that, that we could go out like John um, and do the things you've called us to do, that you've invited us to do. And it's for your glory, Lord, that we come to the wedding. And it's in your glory that we bask. In Jesus' name, amen.